Blog Talk Radio. Black free thinkers, where we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night. Free thought, we don't walk by faith in a lost mind state, cause it's not quite safe. We don't recruit, we're not peers from a church, so don't be spooked, we're not here to convert. The only truth is not pulled from a text, show me proof that's not good after death. This is the challenge to think for yourself, break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt. 310-982-4273 to get through A venue for community and this is the zone If you'd like to speak with Kim then pick up the phone 310-982-4273 to get through The next tree branch is Rainer and it's best you listen to Reason, science, and skepticism It's loaded with straight facts inspiring and dope She can make Bill Nye retire his lab coat Humans are hilarious, and every other Friday, I'd like to hear commentary on culture, people. So I hit up Super Mario and bring in Emmeline to discuss why we're capable of ultra evil. It's normal for my brain to have a two-way street, but if there's collisions, well then you got to just mention it. And don't be afraid of where the truth may lead, ignoring your position of cognitive dissonance. My father Teresa preaches, it's hard to stop, so Kim paired me up with Alfred in the barbershop. I have a sin family in all these places now, as the free thought tree pollinates a rainbow. This is the challenge to think for yourself Break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt 310-982-4273 to get through A venue for community and this is the zone If you'd like to speak with Kim then pick up the phone 310-982-4273 to get through Black Where we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night we don't walk by faith in a lost mind state because it's not quite safe. Hey, how's everybody doing? Welcome to another show, uh, Black Free Thinkers Radio. This is your boy Carl Uber. Uh, I'm going to be joined in a little bit by Alfred Mims. Uh, we have Kim on the line with us as well. Uh, before we start off, I just want to let you know again that number is 310. 310- Nine eight two four two seven three. We want to hear from you, you know, and, and especially with this discussion, we want to hear a little bit from the free thinker community, especially Black free thinkers, in regards to a topic that I think is going to be very interesting. Um, I don't know about everybody else. Again, um, I'm, this is Carl. And, oh, definitely, uh, definitely interesting topic. You know, respectability politics. We hear about it every day, everywhere we go, whether it's the news pundits or people you meet out in the street that just start talking to you for no reason. Absolutely. Um, let me let me start off the discussion with this. Uh, I don't know about the rest of you uh, out there that are listening. Um, I've been trying, at least in the last couple of weeks, to kind of, I don't know, relax, relate, and release let go of a lot of the anger and frustration I think justifiably a lot of us have had in the past couple of weeks in regards to uh, instances of, say, the Zimmerman trial or instances of, you know, the Voting Rights Act being, parts of it being repealed. I've had to try my level best just to let off some steam. 
but it seems from those events, some new thing just keeps coming up that we as people of color have to face. And the newest thing is this issue of respectability politics. It was a little bit over a week ago now that uh, CNN had this, uh, had anchor Don Lemon uh, had a little discussion about what he thinks will change the perception of African Americans in America and uh, also what would change or make things better for African Americans. And he had a list, a a five-digit call to action, I guess, in which he said, if we do these things, things would get better. Um, I would like to try and, I, I, it's probably the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, but let's go through them. I think the first thing he said was that we, as young African-American men, should pull up their pants. The second thing is, and I don't know if this is clear out of left field, we should stop littering, as if African-Americans are the only people in the United States who litter. Um, we should stop saying nigger. That's the third thing. We should stop using the N-word so profusely. I don't know what effect that would have on a racist, but apparently we should stop saying it. Okay. Uh, the fourth thing was uh, we should, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, not have babies out of wedlock. Um, and then also, <laughs> the last... Oh, again, I, I don't laugh at that I, one. Sorry. I don't have babies out of wedlock because in his mind, in his mind, uh, having a child out of wedlock means absentee fathers, which means he, Don Lemon, with all his competence and, and his all his years of being an accomplished journalist, has never heard of a common law marriage. So I, I don't know. But that's one of the things I guess we should stop doing. And I, I don't know, brush your teeth before bedtime. I don't remember what the last one was. But basically, these were. This falls under what we call respectability politics, where I guess the oppressed are blamed for their oppression. If you would just walk right, if you would just talk right, if you would just act right, don't name your kid Jamal, don't name your daughter Shaniqua, or something like that, then somehow our perception would change to bigots and folks who would prejudice against us. And, um, again, that's ridiculous. Um, My favorite question to a a person who asserts the concept of respectability politics is, well, what was Emmett Till wearing when he was kidnapped and tortured to death? You know, what was he wearing? I mean, would it have made a difference that night if Trayvon Martin was wearing a pair of khaki pants and a polo shirt? Would he have not been shot by George Zimmerman? Um, the the belief that some one of these cosmetic things would are the cause of our problems or would be the solution to our problems is patently ridiculous. Um, but we see that this is happening. Do we see that in our culture and in our society? People still say these things. They boys pull up their. I wish things were as simple that. You know, black unemployment wouldn't be at 13% if everybody pulled their pants up. I'd be walking around looking like Steve Urkel right now if that were the case. Um, if stopping the N-word meant that uh, young black men would not be disproportionately targeted and then arrested or intimidated by law enforcement, 
I don't think you'd ever hear the word nigger again. I don't think so. If any of those things, if, if you know, uh, there was something to stop, you know, one in five African-American children being food insecure, you know, if every woman got married, I don't know what that means, but if that was the case, you'd see a whole bunch of married African-American women. So where does this concept of respectability politics come from? Um, you know, I'd like to turn it over and see, because I, I don't know. I don't know. Where does that come from? Where does I this idea? I, hmm? I think I have an idea, um, and it, it, it harkens back to uh, when the, the Native Americans had to be taught their ABCs, uh, assimilation, boarding school, and Christianity. Uh, right. Basically, during the uh, year 1860 to 1910, there was a movement for the Native American population to become fully integrated instead of uh, staying on their reservations and whatnot and staying, uh, I guess, isolated from everyone else. You know, mm-hmm. because kind of, you know, having your population decimated with that too. But it, it's it's funny because we look at how they were taught these respectability policies and how they should assimilate to the rest of uh, society. And now, I mean, after all these years, you know, every, ever since 1910, wow, it's been over 100 years, and we see how well they fare now. Uh, yeah. Rape is rampant, but not talked about. They have such a small gene pool that they are not they're not able to actually procreate successfully within their own community. So right. that's just two issues that I know about, but you never hear about any of this. So what do you think will eventually happen? Because they were thrown uh, BS so much they were they were throwing so much bs as as to you know how they should now embrace the same group of people who ostracized them and who did this to them in the first place so mm-hmm. i mean from a his, from a, from an empirical standpoint why should we accept this i mean common common sense i know that's kind of a logical fallacy but common sense in this case backed up with empirical evidence shows you that this is not going to work and that it is bullshit complete bullshit uh, yeah. pulling up Pants is not going to do a goddamn thing for anybody, and I'll prove it with this point. It's funny how mm-hmm. that's uh, that's talked about because of prison culture, as you know, as where it came from. But for all these severely, severely overweight women wearing uh, Daisy Dukes and showing that these masses of cottage cheese that I see every time I go into Walmart, why is that not talked about? Because in that <laughs> case, there is much more skin being shown. And and I I'm really not a fan of seeing that because it it physically hurts me to see that because I know <laughs> that they are physically hurting inside for the image and because of poor health. I mean it is it is absolutely disgusting. Someone you seeing someone's underwear that that's okay that just maybe you know not as 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 uh, I guess respectable as you might find it along with I don't find skinny jeans particularly you know nice to look at but they're clothes. And the right. clear difference is how much skin is being shown, and we have uh, laws for nudity and for you know lewd acts in public. But that's that's strangely that's that's missed and you know really really talked about. But that's just right. really strange. Right. I mean, you know, and let's be clear on something. I'm not defending the statement, uh, the the look. I'm not defending saggy jeans. I don't like how it looks. I mean, I don't know what you have against pants, a belt, and gravity. I'm not going to even touch that. But in the long, in, 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 
for two reasons. I'm not hanging around people like that. I'm 37 years old. I don't wear my clothes like that. So I'm not going to raise my son to wear his clothes like that. But at the end of the day, a lot of times these young men aren't really bothering anybody. And although the, the, the look bothers me, I'm not around them enough to care. I'm going about my business. So how about looking in the opposite direction? <laughs> you know, why is that so hard to do? I'm not defending it, but what my problem is is, first of all, criminalizing it, you know, the idea that this somehow generates negative behavior or poor behavior um, is wrong. And then to, and this bothers me about a lot of black leaders, to try and make legislation about clothes. You're literally trying to create the fashion police. You're trying to create fashion police where you can't legislate bad taste or else everybody that wears a moo should go to prison. Or like you said, the people that you see in Walmart. Every person that's, you know, you know, wearing pink, dirty pink, you know, terry cloth sweatpants should go to jail. I mean, where do you, where do you draw the line? And then here's the other thing. You're criminalizing something and then passing laws against it. I mean, how can you be certain that a police officer who's not from that community, who doesn't interact with the people of that community on a regular basis, is going to be able to know and tell the difference between baggy and saggy? Or even better, how do you know that he or she will care? Maybe he just want, they might just want the streets clean or get those punks off the street and you're dealing with another Trayvon Martin or Oscar Grant. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. That's, that's, what, that's what bothers them to me. And then the other thing is, you know, you're attacking the symptom and not the disease. A lot of these young men, why do you figure that these cats don't care enough about their parents? Why do you think that these young boys don't care about their parents? You're closing down all the schools in their neighborhood. You're taking away all the programs that might cater to them. You're taking away any chance of opportunity for them to to be more than what they were born, you know, to, to aspire to anything. All of those things, day by day, every year, one more of those things is being taken away from mostly African-American and young Latino males. What reason do you think they would have to walk around with their pants up and belts on? They're in their neighborhood. They can't really leave. Most of them never have. So why would you assume that they should dress up to do what and go where? You know what I mean? Yeah, and it nuances something that we talked about in another episode, which was inherent criminality. If you Mm -hmm. already think that a certain group of people are deviant, and this is more of an indirect way to try and uh, prove that through confirmation bias, really it has nothing to do with that person's uh, qualities because I – uh, and my few achievements in my young life can wear the same thing, but that does not take away anything from me, any of my accomplishments. I mean, how many people exactly. have climbed a mountain before the age of 30? I mean, I can raise my hand and say that, but right. if I put on a certain clothing, then that automatically degrades who I am and takes away that. So it, it's not, like you said, it's attacking a symptom and not the actual problem. And in some cases, that's true. In medicine, you can do that. But the problem eventually solves itself. In this case, you're just prolonging a wound and letting it weep slowly. But I, yeah. I want to kind of go, go back to something for a second. What, what is respectability? Just, it's, it's, you know, it sounds 
very simple. You know, it refers to respect, but I'll just read a few definitions, you know, just for some people who aren't sure. Um, yeah. Having or deserving the respect of other people, being estimable or worthy, having good social standing or reputation, having socially right. or conventional acceptable morals and standards, relatively or fairly good, considerable, uh, you know, fit to be seen by other people. So mm-hmm. if we're talking about respectability politics and that these changes should be made, these changes are being made so that the folks that are um, committing these egregious uh, faux pas, social faux pas, uh, should be seen now as people because when they do this, they're automatically not seen as people. And like I mm-hmm. said, that, that really nuances a lot, and many people don't right. see that. But like you said, with the right. legislation, if people don't know they're listening, what, what uh, Carl was talking about, there, I actually have an article up here, and I remember when this was passed, and Terrebonne Parish in Louisiana, and I'll read you a little excerpt. A Louisiana town wants to prohibit people from sagging or wearing pants below the waist and exposing their underwear. The ban would set a high price on low pants, slapping violators with a series of fines, 50 for the first offense, 100 for the second, and 116 hours of public service for each subsequent offense. The Terrebonne Parish Council voted 8 to 1 to pass the ordinance, which the parish's president is expected to sign into law. And this is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Out of all the things you can see time and money being concerned with, is that you're more concerned about a fashion statement of a certain demographic of people, uh, really, but you're not going to be concerned with the education, um, you know, how, how are people actually being educated in this demographic? Okay, well, how are they actually going to be employed? How do we get them to the point that they are socially acceptable since you already made quite clear that they're not? But talking about, you know, what they're wearing, that's not going to do anything but try and uh, impress upon them what they already feel, which is inferior inferiority. So mm-hmm. trying to to pass ordinances like this to, to be you know a transsetter is only it, it's only going to make matters worse. There's no eloquent way for me to say that. <laughs> it's again, it's again, we we we've seen what happens at the criminal criminalization of attire. I mean the last year and a half we've seen it. It's that's the most that was the case that was in, in, in court right now. There's a boy that's dead because somebody criminalized his attire. You know what I'm saying? How can any person, any any legislator, especially legislators of color, black senators or council people, how can you guys sit down in a, in your offices or in your council meetings and promote this? There's a young man who just lost his life because somebody, you, the, the, the culture criminalized the very clothes that he wears, you know? That's what cost him his life because somebody looked at him and saw what he was wearing and said, hey, thugs and gangsters wear that. I have to protect myself or protect my community because he doesn't belong here, even though he had every right to be there and he has every right to wear whatever he wants, you know? But that cost in his life. But why would you sit down and think that things would somehow improve? Because just like in Louisiana, we have a law here in Florida, in the city of Opelika, and not too far from where I live, 
where the it's I think it's two hundred dollars. I was like, well, first of all, most of the kids that people that walk around like that are teenagers or young men that have you know that don't have jobs. Where are they going to get that money? So you're just making a path for them to be either incarcerated or to enter the the legal or the penal system. Is that what we're really trying to do now? We're just trying to make it easier for a young man to get arrested and thrown into prison? For what? Well, well why not? Hey, we need, we need some more people to make big rocks and little rocks, and if people have already said that, well, hey, this demographic is dangerous and they need to be kept in a certain area, then that that it, it's all part of the plan, as the Joker said so. in the Batman movie. So it, it's, it really is um, a testament to yet another episode that we did on elitism. John Lee yeah. is handling that. And, he's, uh, and, and like I said, a lot of these are, are, are people of the African-American variety that are doing this and making this resolution. Yeah. And they are trying to channel that elitism and that divisiveness that America is now uh, honing in on, you know, just more and more each day. So if they yeah. can jump on that bandwagon, they can feel like well they're above the lowest Negro, so they can get a, uh, one one step up. They're they're doing something with their lives, and why can't you? You know they can look down their nose and say, well I can I can yet again uh, draw this arbitrary uh, line in the sand. Exactly, and and again you know and, and it's more than just the unlimited because I wanted to talk about all of the things that Mr. Lemon brought up, you know like how. It's like the insinuation that our communities are somehow dirtier than, you know, communities of the same of the same economic status. You know, I mean, he talks about living in Harlem, and I'm like, before gentrification, dude, Harlem was just like any other hood in New York City. I mean, that's just, I mean, because of gentrification, there was a time when Harlem was was, you know. The, it was a beautiful city and everything like that, but that's because there was some kind of economic, you know, solidarity amongst most of the black resident, black and Latino residents of that city. But once gentrification came in and most of those folks couldn't afford to live there or whatever, or, or all the business left, you know, that's where the littering and all that stuff came from. I mean, it's not. I mean, I, it. it, it it shocks me that people think that. I, I mean, I don't think that the Ozarks or the poor people in the Appalachians, poor Caucasians in trailer parks, somehow are cleaner than poor African American and Latino children in the inner city. You know, so I don't even know where that comes from. You know, but again, it goes back to your idea of elitism. Like, if you don't make a certain amount of money, then also you're dirty. You know, like people can't clean up after themselves if they're poor, which, again, there's this attempt, I believe, to turn poor and minority people into the other, you know, to, to keep us as separate as we possibly, to separate people as as far as we can, like a class system. Like, if you can't get up here, then you obviously are here, and somehow you're less than a person, you know what I mean? And it's just weird. It's just weird uh, a concept that I really no longer. I, I I don't know. I don't even know why he would have brought that up. Like littering makes you a bad person, or is the reason why black people can't succeed in the world? I don't. <laughs> I can't even grasp that personally. Yeah, it, it is. 
it's truly sad. I was, I was trying to find a quote by one of our uh, presidents in the last 60 years. It says something to the effect that if you can make a you make a man feel like he's a, a bit above the lowest Negro, then you know you can uh, you can drain him for all his money. And I cannot for the life of me remember what president that was. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, again, it's it's just weird concept that uh, you, you know we were talking about it, and it's a, it was in another forum that I was having a conversation. But the story of a soldier's story came up. You remember that movie? And the sergeant in that film, Vernon Waters, played by the great, uh, late great uh, Adolf Caesar, you know, his whole thing was he had a real bad problem with one person, one soldier in his um, in his platoon because he was southern and he was happily country. He played his guitar. He sang the blues. He made jokes all the time and made everybody laugh. But to this guy, because of the way he wore his clothes and because he didn't speak proper, quote-unquote, he was just everything that was wrong with black people. And he targeted this boy until to the point where the young man killed himself. And, you know, it's it's weird that that mindset still lives on now. Like, you know, and if you do anything that embraces your culture in any way and it's not a part of the predominant culture then clearly you're incompetent or you're not as smart or you won't be thought of as as worthy of belonging I think. because they feel that you will assimilate it feels like colonialism yeah. part two and mm-hmm. you know unfortunately you know quite a few you know people of color have bought into, you know, a lot of these stereotypes that have been made about us. And, you know, I see it on a daily basis, you know, just the broad invectives and, you know, the blanket statements that are out there. And, again, you know, there seems to be, this is just my perception, an attack on people of color, and it's been coming harder and harder and harder you know, the past several years, especially after President Obama was elected. Now, one thing I will say is that the people who were closeted racist, they are now coming out in droves because I guess they feel as though they have a mandate and they can now speak their minds. And so I appreciate it because now I can point out who is who and what is what. But, you know, I remember when um, President Obama was, you know, running and, you know, had people saying that, you know, once he was elected, that all of this racism would go away. And I had this conversation with one person in particular, and I asked her if she really believed that. And, you know, I guess she went home and talked it over with whomever. And she returned, and she says, well, it should get better. And I said, no, it's actually going to get worse. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, just from my life experiences, I've seen, you know, a lot of the subtle and overt racism, and basically, you know, like the way they're treating him now, this is the way many of us are treated in corporate America, in academia, you know, in just, you know, common everyday um, situations. So, you know, I, I just don't see how people miss it. I'm talking about people of color, you know, but a lot of it is fear-based, so I just wanted to say that. 
it's it's not even it's not even so much that they're missing it. Remember, I it's I think some of them are wholeheartedly embracing the idea of assimilating, um, because at uh-huh. the end of the day, at the end of the day, you know, the saggy pants or we're twerking or whatever the music is or whatever the fashion is right now. At the end of the day, what what we're being asked to do at the heart of respectability politics is the request that you be less like you. Is there a way that you could stop being like yourself? You know, could you? is there a way that you could be any less black if you could? Exactly. Oh, I'd really appreciate that. That's what it is. At the end of the day, that's what they're asking you to do, and it's not new. And it's what what's scary is it's not that I don't think a lot of people of color are ignoring it. There are people that are actively embracing it. You know, the guy that started off this discussion is Don Lemon, but Bill Cosby just a couple of days ago saying something to that effect or, or saying it previously in different conversations. Or or you take Hampton University where they have business students. This means these are guys, these are the men and women, the cream of the crop, African-American men and women who have gone to good schools, who, who did everything right. They've got the 4.0, and they've got the bachelor's degree and everything, and now they're in business school for their master's and things like that. And you're telling them, cut your hair, because you don't want right. them thinking that you're, wait a minute, is it what's on my head or what's in my head that matters? But our schools are trying to tell kids, you know, <laughs> The, our college is not like, you know, they went to Harvard and some white teacher told them, don't cut your hair that way or don't, don't you know, you probably should use your middle name if your first name is Jamal, you know. This is right, a black right, college. Right. A, yeah, a that was black Hampton University. Telling, yeah, Hampton University. A black college is telling them, well, you won't get a job if you walk up in there with your name is Jamal and you got dreads. Really? So you're teaching, that's what we, instead of teaching them that, you know what, if they won't take you, we'll open up our own. Or we'll we'll, we'll change the system so that it can be more inclusive to you. You're telling them to assimilate instead. You have to change it from Mm -hmm. within. And, you know, then there are misconceptions, you know, um, in in what they're saying. You know, a lot of companies Mm -hmm. will um, accept you know, an employee that has dreads or locks or what have you. It's just that they don't they don't particularly care for the free form locks. So yeah. if it's manicured, you know, you get your hair maintenance and you know you exactly. know, every so often is, uh, and you know, exactly right. I mean but it, it if you have a person that's taking, you know, business courses and things like that and they're going for an MBA or something like that, I think we could take it with a grain of salt that come interview day they're going to take a shower and shave, you know. They're right. going to put it up in a right. bun or, or be presentable. The You know, the idea that people who are supposed to be preparing our young people for their right uh-huh. place in the world would try to tell them, well, you know, that's just the way it is. So you need to be less of yourself. Um, oh yeah, that, I mean, but it's the same. It's the same scenario over and over. Because remember those long hair hippies and that rock yeah. and roll music. And I mean, it's yeah. the same thing over and over. over again, and in, in, at the end of the day, too, with the long haired hippies and all of those things. Guess why those guys got targeted and put again? They got targeted because most of them 
hung out with us. <laughs> there were a lot of open-minded young Caucasian children, you know, young Caucasian kids who came up in a different generation who said, well, hey, man, that young black person or that young Mexican or that young Indian person or that person of color isn't a bad person. Their music ain't all that bad. Their neighborhoods aren't that messed up. Hey, why not? Why can't I hang out with you, you know? And to retaliate, they criminalized their hair, they criminalized their culture because it was too close to ours. <laughs> so, you know, that's what they do at the beginning of rock and roll. Call it that jungle music. So, again, and even with that, even during that time, we remember, you know, we listened to the stories of Angela Davis and a lot of the student, uh, student activists of that time when they started wearing their afros, you know, they're, again, black schools, not white schools, not white racist teachers or anything like that. Black schools telling them that they can't wear their afros. So there's this weird thing. It's, it's the request. And, again, at the heart of all respectability politics is the request that you be less you. You know, don't wear those beads. Don't wear your hair nappy. Straighten it out. Comb it, comb it straight or cut your hair lower. You know, don't talk, talk proper, whatever that means, <laughs> you know. Right. And maybe, and again, like basic human dignity, you know, you have to earn it, which is untrue. You have basic human dignity for the fact that you're human and you are alive. But instead, with us, we have to earn respect, which is unfortunate, you know. I mean, I don't see those demands made of any other individual. You know, exactly. you know, especially oh. in the age of Honey Boo Boo. <laughs> oh, oh, goodness. You know, I mean, I have to earn, you know, I have to earn your respect, but Honey Boo Boo gets a TV show? Okay, well, <laughs> I, I don't even know how to respond to that. I respond to it with 16 exactly. pregnant. Hmm? Oh, yeah, 16, after, the, after they indicted you know, young women of color for, you know, procreating, if you will, without, you know, the vestiges of marriage and, you yeah. know, uh, you know, and, and again, respectability politics there. And, you know, but once Bristol Palin, you know, came on the scene and, you know, her information was documented, now there are shows, 16 and pregnant, and, you know, right. another one that's coming out, My Baby Daddy. And, you know, mm-hmm. but again, you know, as I said once before when we were talking about, you know, privilege, and mm-hmm. I was saying that in regards to the black community, you know, initially when we have proof of some type of concept, initially in many cases it's rejected, it's mocked, it's ridiculed, until the mainstream finds a way to profit from it, until they find a way right. to profit from it and to make it more um, redeeming, if you will. Yeah. Just, it, again, you know, and at the heart of that discussion, and again, we go back to those five things. You know, don't have a baby unless you can, unless you can afford it, or unless you're married, or. It's a diatribe, no matter how much people try to conceal it. It's a diatribe against women. Because when you're talking about don't have a baby unless you can afford it and all that stuff, you're not talking to the fathers. No one's talking to fathers, okay? They're talking to young women as if girls can somehow procreate 
with a sexually without the help of a male. You know, they're talking to young women like you, you shouldn't be so fast in the ass. That's why that's why people are coming down on all the twerk dances and all that stuff because in the end, it's really against women. All of the laws that that are on the books about procreation or birth control or everything like that, they're laws that take adverse effects against women. You know, about abortion, about birth, about birth control, about reproductive rights. If it was really a situation of um uh, of of equal responsibility, there would be something there about do uh, you would be talking specifically to boys, because the insinuation here is that women are having babies with the express interest to not have fathers so they can go on welfare, which is utterly ridiculous, which is utterly ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's an idea. Hmm? Go ahead. To see it in the common commercials, who do you see older married couples of, of various backgrounds? are the only ones using condoms. And so what is that gives you the perception is, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to buy any children condoms. These are for old folks, you know. And then you have the legislature that says, well, we don't want to provide uh, any kind of contraception for the kids because that's going to that's gonna make them want to go out and, and have sex when in reality their hormones are going to want to make them go out and do that just as their yeah. parents did for them. So it, it's, yeah. it's really hilarious to see this kind of dynamic going on, but it, yeah. again, it nuances who is the target and who is not the target, and it, it, yeah. it's really it's sickening, but you try and bring that up, and it falls upon their fears instantly because it does not align with that person's worldview, but uh, I, I, I've almost forgot about something. We didn't talk about the, uh, the quote-unquote ghetto name. You kind of kind of hit on it a little bit, but that's something yeah. that I've heard frequently, and then I immediately... You know, in the past, while well, being very ignorant, you know, hearing, oh, surname is Shaniqua, oh, you know, he's automatically just, you know, ghetto trash. And it was, it was kind of channeling a bit of my own elitism before I actually realized, well, you know, it's not this person's fault that they were named that, and I happen to have a very uh, Eurocentric name. And so right. it, it has nothing to do with that person's ability or inability. It's just a name. Right. And you know what? Also, too, it's like this. You live in a world where some of the most accomplished people, (laughs) you know, are named Shaquille, Condoleezza, Barack, and LeBron. I don't know. They have very unusual names, and they seem to have done just fine with life. And for us to... to, And I'm just like you. I was just like you, which is funny because my wife is named Shaniqua. So there was a time where I sat down and I used to say the same thing, like, look at all these ridiculous names, this is crazy. And instead of, I mean, we would say these things and, like, what inherently is wrong with what this person got named? What inherently is wrong? And we only think it's wrong because we don't think it's white. What? All right. It's not right. We don't think it's white because when we ask, well, okay, this name is silly for somebody to name their kid Unique, Alizé, Destiny, you know, Shamika, Shaquita. We think those names are wrong. But then what happens when we get asked, what's the alternative then? You know, like, okay, let's just say for the sake of argument, those names are unacceptable names to name a person. Uh What's a good name to name somebody? And our the words that come out of our mouths 
well, Robert, Thomas, that's a nice strong name. Nicholas, Don. what's wrong with Nicholas? You know, Donald. <laughs> it's funny you, you mentioned that. You see what I'm that. saying? It's funny you mentioned that. Uh, one of the guys I used to go to college with, he really didn't, he wasn't a, a Obama fan or anything like that. And this was before anybody really even knew him. Uh, all they knew that he was a center. That's, that's about it. And so he was to the point of, of just almost despising him without knowing much next to anything about him. And so when I asked him, I was like, so, you know, okay, I, I see a John McCain guy and a Barack Obama guy, you know, so, you know, he, you know, uh, have you looked into this? Uh, he says, well, you know, I'm not really uh, showing, going to show any favors to that Barack guy. It, 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 his name, it, it, you know, Barack Obama, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't sound like a president's name. And I had to stop and, and just think for a second, what does a president's name sound like? And then going through my head of all the presidents, and I'm thinking of, well, of course, his name isn't a wasp. He isn't a wasp. And his name doesn't resemble that of a wasp. So that's Initially, what he's saying is because he is not a wasp, then he is not acceptable. Even though I explicitly said, well, if he was uh, of a certain demographic and had a different name, would that make him better? And he's kind of hesitant to answer that because he knew, well, yeah, that was actually right because that's what he was implying without actually directly saying it. But, you know, when if I were to imply something like that in reverse that, and, and point that out, as to, okay, well, I don't think this guy is acceptable to cut hair, uh, Smith. Well, that would make, you know, what would that make me in, in return? So it's... Mm. Always be that cut and dry. Some, uh, some things are more subtle than others. But I, and I had a conversation with a, a lot of people who said that these things are unacceptable? Who said that these names are unacceptable? Who said that certain dances are unacceptable? Who said a lot of things are unacceptable? But is anybody asking these questions? Is anybody actually looking into this? Is everybody just falling over themselves trying to jump on the bandwagon of this is common decency, this is common sense and decency that we're trying to preserve, but no one's actually investigating where it's coming from. We have to find these morals and ethics somewhere. Very subjective. And then if it's subjective, it's coming from somebody, somebody's opinion. So it Mm -hmm. has a root, it has a cause, and it has a motive. Right. And for me to sit and pretend like there is not would make me very remiss as a person who is socially conscious. For me to assume that, well, it is what it is, uh, like everyone else, that only makes me a sheep and intellectually lazy. So uh, it's it's interesting who catches flat for recognizing things for what they are or what they at least seem to be than for folks who would never take the time and just, you know, uh, ignore it because they have no bear, it has no bearing on their life personally. And I also want to point out something, you know, it's just so you so so we don't keep it just in the realm of African Americans or, or anything like that. This is the respectability politics has always been this one construct. You are trying huh. to attain the respect or the status of one class in this country, which is white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. And it wasn't just us as you know, it's not just us as black people. You know, in here in South Florida, even up to now, with the you know, 
in our Hispanic community, we had folks that anglicized their names. You know, I'm not Roberto anymore. I'm Robert. I'm not Carlos. I'm Charles. You know, I'm not Juan. I'm John. You know, earlier on in America, if you were Irish, you changed your name so that you could get jobs because they wouldn't hire Irish people. Just like, you know, I'm Giuseppe, but now I have to be George, you know, because they don't hire Italians or Italians weren't welcome in certain communities or if they weren't white, Anglo-Saxon Protestants. So I'm an Italian Catholic. I gotta, So, you know, if I'm Jewish, I can't be Fievel anymore. I have to be Philip, you know, because, you know, I can't. Oh, no, what I was going to say was interesting about that is you're correct with the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. That was the de facto white culture, if you will. And those other cultures, in particular Polish, Irish, Jewish, Italian, they were not considered white until a little bit later when they became honorary white people. And for Italians in particular, especially the Italians that came from the southern region of Italy, they were dark and they were called guineas. And basically, you know, basically they were put on the same level as blacks, and so were Irish and Polish people. So that's why, you know, I tell Mm -hmm. people to go back and research it and to understand, but they're, quote-unquote, honorary white people. Exactly. It's the default default class in this this system, in our system, is a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. That's the default status. It's not even, you know, you come in... Everyone, if you're on the shores of this country, the acceptable status is a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, a rich white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. And that's across the board. That's not just us as African Americans. So, so, so we're not the only victims of respectability politics. It's just that now I guess we're the most prominent um, victims of it. But, you know, American Indians, Native, the First Nation people, the First Nation uh, peoples have had to change their names. You know, you know, my name is Running Bear, but now nah, now I have to be John Smith, or else I can't work, I can't live, I can't support my family, I can't walk around wearing the clothes or the decorations of my culture or my 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 respective tribes. Now I have to wear a hat, look like the accepted class in this country, and you know, basically, it's the same thing. It's the same thing, and if, and if you try to 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 change that, your look would be criminalized. I mean, again, the issue is not new. Um, they just change the name every couple of centuries, every couple of years. You know, if it's the baggy pants now, but back in the 30s and the 20s, it was a zoot suit. You know, if you want to, if you're listening, you can look it up. In the Zoop Zoop riots of Los Angeles and um, the Bay Area, uh, they would beat up young African-American and Mexican kids because they would wear Zoot suits, you know, the pachucos. They would beat you up. You'd wear those things, and you'd keep, you were not accepted. Matter of fact, they would have a designated suit that you should wear. And if you want to go out and socialize, you should dress like this because if you don't, you're a gangster, and that's what used to happen. I mean, they had it it, to the point where it turned into a full-blown riot. So this is, it's not new. And it's kind of sad that nowadays we're seeing people of those cultures take on that kind of thinking, take on that kind of thinking that if you're not dressed like the default dominant culture in this society, you're not just wrong, you're also criminal. 
you know. And it's costing people their lives. It's not even we don't like how this is. People are actually paying for this respectability politics with their lives. Most recently, we had Trayvon Martin. But earlier than that, it was Oscar Grant. You know, and at the same time with Trayvon Martin, Jordan Davis. And he got, Jordan Davis, Trayvon Martin was killed for his clothes. Jordan Davis was killed for his music. You know? Yeah. And and this is this is what we're dealing with. This is actually costing people their lives. In New York City, young men are being arrested, frisked, and incarcerated because they look and sound a certain way. So it's it's more than just a nuisance. It's not a nuisance. People are losing their lives. I mean, we just had a guy, we had a kid down here that just got tasered to death. Why? Because he, he did something from his culture. He graffitied up a, a, an abandoned building. I'm not defending it. I like graffiti. I love the graffiti, actually, honestly. I, I think it's beautiful when it's done properly. It's not vandalism. And the kid was an artist, but the way he looked and he was on a skateboard, cops tasered him to death. So we can't even say that. It's just a mild nuisance. Respectability politics is killing us. You know? You know, if I walk in. If I walk outside in some baggy pants just because I feel like, yeah, I'm not going to work. I'm not going to my place of business. I'm hanging around my house. But some some Zimmerman wannabe or some cop with a with a grudge comes down the street and sees me in my baggy pants, I might not come home to my wife and kids. It is literally killing us or costing us our lives. So it's fine. And then I, I, I appreciate Kim also mentioning that it was uh, that certain... Uh, certain ethnic groups were not considered white uh, in the past, especially in the 1940s, especially, and I'm, I'm going to mention this again, this style of clothing was popular with African-American, Chicano, and Italian-American communities. Now, mm-hmm. so, like you say again, this is not a, a, a rant against, you know, the, the evil white man, as a lot of people like to uh, try and make this out to be. The fact, the fact, history is history, and there's no change in it. We can only learn from it. And right. to see how people are exercised arbitrarily is going to show us how it plays into the current day. So for us to mention that and use this empirical evidence as a as a backing for okay, well, here's what you need to look at for now is not. Well, you know, you're just stirring the pot, or uh, somebody told me something interesting. It's a nice little talking point. Oh, you're just trying to trying to uh, drum up racial tension. Of course, this person has not felt any tension other than certain. Uh, and I and I am going to marginalize their tension. Uh, tattoos. You can cover up tattoos. You can't cover up your skin. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. You don't come home and it just washes off in the in the tub. You don't. Uh, Go inside for a set amount of time, and it just fades away. You feel you don't go get surgery yet, not that I know of, and change it. So, mm-hmm. this these are real issues that are affecting communities. These are real issues that are, like you said, just killing folks. And for what? For because you aren't being acceptable in the so-called post-racist society. You aren't mm-hmm. uh, respectable for this so-called melting pot of a society? Yeah. How can you tout this nation as being the greatest nation on the, in the world, on this planet, when people are getting killed because of fear from something they have yet to do? 
or if they have done something, it's something not deserving of death. There are, few, there are very, very few things that someone can do that actually it sets them up in a situation where they deserve death. And, you know, right. it's killing someone else. But we still, again, we use our uh, our collective morality to decide this person's fate and to return the favor because that's, that's it's cheaper than keeping them alive for the rest of their life. Out of you right. Know, so, right. all these misgivings that a lot of us have that really aren't going to do much good because you're not a part of a certain demographic that makes those decisions. And if you aren't, right. then you know what? You'll eventually just fade away um, like we have going on now because you really don't hear much about uh, respectability with Native Americans. It's their population is so low that no one even cares. People forget that they exist. I even saw a post on, on Facebook where somebody honestly thought that they are extinct. And extinct people. Like the Mayans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess that's what we might be facing one day. I mean, it's if you keep up this trend, it, it's, it's eventually going to lead that way because it's going, it's going to become more and more accessible. You use the elitism, you see the confirmation bias, and you use these respectability politics and so, of course, these people who are going to feel this elitism, well, I'm going to be higher than the lowest. I'm going to be. I'm going to be the man above the lowest Negro. So I'm going to yeah. vote. Exactly. And, and arbitrary uh, ideas and concepts and speech. Yeah. No. Exactly. Um, it's <laughs> it's it's weird that you know. Yeah, and it's it's a it's a funny thing I think where, um, and in his speech when when Don Lemon made this comment, he was talking about it. He was saying like, well, you know, if it's, if you're not doing it, then I'm not talking to you. Like that makes it better, you know. Like, hey, I, well, I'm not talking to you. If you're the if you're not the like type of person doing it, well, I'm not talking to you, dude. You are talking to them. You, I mean, first of all. You're not. You don't even know who you're talking to, and, and your your conversation is so out of context. You know, it's it's, it's so uh-huh. out of context. That it, so you're talking to anybody. You you cast your net so far that even if you weren't talking to us, you actually wound up talking to one of us. You know, I mean, yeah, there's tons of women who have children out of wedlock, but they have great relationships with the fathers of their children. Either they're in a relationship as boyfriend and girlfriend and have chosen not to get married yet for whatever reason, or they're is separated, but one the parents take care of their children as they should. So where do you get the idea that now a mother who doesn't have a father in the in the in the in the, in the, in the home is now some kind of a bad parent? And then the insinuation that women, and again, this is just so weird that a, a gay man, because Don Lemon is gay, you know, would have this kind of strange dogmatic attitude towards, uh-huh. you know, towards people. Like, I mean, what, why would you assume that, this weird gender-based politics? Like, as a gay man, how can you say something like a, a woman can't raise a man to be a father? Knowing that people think that gay men can't raise boys to be men because exactly. gay men aren't really men. There you go. In their mind, 
in their mind. How could you say that knowing that for your entire life you had to hide your own sexuality because people would assume that you were less of less than what you are, you know? Exactly. For, those words to, for those words to come out of his mouth, in my mind, were just, it was boggling. I mean, you just came out the closet a couple of days, months ago. You know, he just came out a couple of months ago, and he talked about how hard it was to be of that lifestyle and not have people understand him. And then you're going to say that only a, a man can raise a man to be a man? That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Case in point, LeBron James doesn't have a father, or he does not know his father, but he's now a, what, a a three-time NBA champion? You know what I'm saying? And three, how many times MVP? To the point where he's he's responsible, he has his own little family, he has his own little wife and kids. Well, not wife, but he's not married, but he has his girl and his kids. You know what I'm saying? Uh Uh-huh. He's responsible to the point where his mom is tripping. He can tell his mom to calm down because it's not the responsible thing to do. So 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 to have somebody say that, it's insulting. It's insulting this weird, and, and that's another piece of respectability politics. If you're a woman who has a male son and you're not going out of your way to provide him with a male male figure in the home, you're somehow failing him as a mother. That's just, it's an insult. It's insulting to women, and it's insulting to, to, to men. You know, I mean, there are a lot of guys who grew up, in single-parent homes where the mother was the, the, the sole breadwinner and the sole parent in the house, and they grew up to be great men. Case in point, Barack Hussein Obama. He didn't grow up with his father, yet he became the first president of the Harvard Law, um, Harvard Law School, and he became, you know, magna cum laude this, summa cum laude that, president of the United States of America. He only met his father once in his life. You're still going to sit there and say that women can't raise good men? You know, that's the the, the the balls it takes to make those statements, especially from someone who knows what it's like to to be ostracized. And I don't know how many gay people can tell you the stories of respectability politics as it, as it refers to homosexuals, you know, why you gotta? Why you guys gotta hold hands like that? Why y'all want to kiss in public? If you're gonna be gay, keep that to yourself. How many gay people right. do you think can tell you that story? <laughs> you know, have you tried not to be gay? They actually have questions like that. So for him, as that type of person, to start using the rhetoric of the oppressor is really just mind-boggling to me. Uh, it, I'm, I'm in awe of it, honestly that it never occurred to him to just stop and think about what he was saying. Yeah, and it's amazing. Uh, uh, just making that connection and all its hilarity is, is also very saddening because, like I said, again, he, he's trying to channel that elitism because he is now successful that all that in the past no longer matters. Now that he feels that he's liberated, uh, it, it's, it's not relevant to him anymore because he doesn't sag his pants because now, you know, he's in a different type of relationship where, you know, that uh, this prospect of a single-parent household would probably not be uh, feasible, <laughs> but even if that was feasible, the prospect of him 
even obtaining a child is impossible in certain states. Uh, I'm not sure how you missed that one. But it's it's all very interesting what people put into perspective. And that's where I actually, I, I learned a new word the other day, and I'm very proud of it. In, indexicality. And it refers to words like here and I. And it specifically defines itself within the context of that person. So when we're talking about respectability policies and anything surrounding it, when people start using that type of language, well, I don't think that clothes like that are acceptable around here. You have to interpret that using indexicality. They're saying I, my subjective self, does not find uh, that type of clothing, which is the sagging uh, pants and whatnot, uh, acceptable here, which is around me. And so everyone else can jump on that bandwagon, even though they have not given any type of objective uh, reasoning behind it, other than it personally uh, displeases them, there's nothing wrong with it. And then I even go right. back to nothing else is being mentioned about uh, the people of Walmart. There's an entire site that's dedicated to the people of Walmart because of their, uh, their lack of social decorum, the way that they look, the way that they dress, any, just anything substandard to the American way that you can think of is on that website. Sagging pants mm-hmm. included, but which one do you hear about and which ones you don't? That's what I right. find very, very interesting. And that's the stuff that people are not willing to talk about in public because it challenges their worldview. And you know what happens when you challenge people's worldview, they get uncomfortable. They don't want to talk about it. It's not important. They deny it, marginalize it, or, or just you know, pretend that they understand and try and find some acceptable middle ground to where they don't have to actually address it uh, in, right. in its entirety. Right. And, and and another angle, too, that I think a lot of folks fail to consider, and we're, we're talking about the whole saggy pants thing, think about what people are saying, about what the whole issue was with the saggy pants look. It wasn't because earlier on, it wasn't because uh, or the rationale people said why you shouldn't wear saggy jeans or saggy pants. The rationale wasn't that it's tasteless or it's, it doesn't look good. The rationale was that it made you look like you were in a homosexual relationship in prison. That's why folks didn't want you wearing it. It wasn't anything about how the style looked. It was everything about what the style made you look like. So it wasn't even a. It was. It was there again. The respectability politics came in. Come in in a whole different angle that people are don't want to really consider. It's not the fact they didn't want their kids to look uncouth. It's because they didn't want their sons to look gay. You you don't want your son to look like he might just enter into a sexual relationship with a man. That's why they would say, you know, that's what they mean. When if, if you don't wear your pants, that's what they, that's what you do in jail to let the let the gay dudes know that you you're gay too. That's what they tell us. That's what they would tell us. That's what they still tell us, even though it has been soundly debunked over the last couple of years, a hundred times over. It's been debunked and repudiated. It's been repudiated, reputed several times, but people still say it. Because at the end of the day, that's what they don't want their sons to look like. You know, if your booty hanging out, that means you want to 
you want to have sex with a man. So they're not talking about how nice that you don't look good. They're talking about the fact that you might just be homosexual, and that's really what they're criminalizing here. That's really what they're demonizing and, 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 and wishing that their boys wouldn't look like. Even though there's no, there's no reason behind it, but in the end, that's what they were against. And there goes, and being gay in the minds of many is not respectable. It's not. So, again, that's another angle, but folks, again, don't want to confront it. I actually remember, now that you mentioned that, uh, when I was in high school many, many moons ago, that there was actually an assembly for, I want to say, um, uh, each, each, each class had a separate assembly throughout the day, and they had a speaker who, who wasn't incarcerated for it. Amount of time. I can't remember, maybe it was 10, 15 years. And uh, this guy was a fairly older gentleman in his 60s, and he explicitly said, I see all you young boys in here walking around with your pants hanging, hanging below your waist belt. You know what that means in prison? That means you got a nice butt and somebody wants to have sex with you. And immediately you see all these young men stand up and start pulling their pants up, and then they the principal and all the teachers, you know, were just giggling and laughing because they thought it was hilarious. But that didn't improve test scores. That didn't stop school fights. That didn't stop school uh, the, the teen pregnancy. That didn't stop jack shit. But mm-hmm. they spent that money on this speaker and wasted, you know, valuable class time on something that they honestly thought would improve, uh, you know, their, their their overall school experience. So right. it, it goes to show that. Yet again, just like with the abstinence program, uh, abstinence-only program, it's not going to fix the problem. It's not. It's only putting a Band-Aid on it or doing as minimal uh, effort as possible when you could be doing much, much more and actually addressing some of these issues head-on that takes time, it takes complex thought or critical thinking, and maybe mm-hmm. there's no immediate solution. Maybe you have to do over it for a while. Well, well shit, right. I, I mean... It takes time to fix complex problems. But yeah, and doing something like this is just too easy. Right. It's it's shifting, and again, it's shifting the blame. It's shifting, yeah. And it's shifting responsibility. It's shifting responsibility from the responsible parties. There's a reason why things are the way they are. There's a system in place that was set up that way to deprive one section of this society from the rights and the and the access to to bettering their lives. There's been a system in place for that for generations. I mean, young black men didn't start walking around with their pants sagging like that yesterday or a couple of days ago. There was a system in place that robbed these guys of a young young African American men, young Latino men, yeah, heck, even young poor white men of uh, the ability to better themselves. It's been in place for some time. So it's not like I mean, if you're not gonna do anything about the lack of access to education or the lack of access to employment or the how the ease in which people are getting incarcerated and now there are more people in jail than there have ever been in the history of the country, you know, then if you're not going to do anything about that, then it makes absolutely no sense to start with these little cosmetic things 
that have no effect on anybody when you really think about it. As you said, it's only offensive because you choose to make it that way. Exactly. And, and that's what's really disturbing. But Yeah. You know, there's... there's it's, so it's many... I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, I think we're lagging a little bit. But I, was, I was saying it's, it's a way to criminalize folks. For, honestly, nothing. I mean, I personally don't like sagging. And I, I when it first started happening back in the oh, was it, early 2000s, I was uh, part of the folks that say, well, you know what, with the velour suits and this, that, and other, I want to try and be socially acceptable because back then it wasn't criminalized. It was kind of a frowned upon thing. It was, uh, people treated it as it was, or as it should have been, as something, a uh, passing trend or just, uh, uh, you know, same thing with like bell bottoms. It's going to come and go. It's going to have its turn and then fade away. But yeah, when I did it, I didn't find it very acceptable because I don't like the idea of walking around like a penguin. And I find it kind of redundant to wear a, a well, I guess not redundant. I find it kind of just absolutely useless to have a belt on and not utilize it. So yeah. that, that was my personal reasoning. So I couldn't really find a way uh, around it to, I guess, really get in my mind that it was acceptable but mm-hmm. I didn't want to look down on anybody who did it. So right. for me I just kinda wanted to remain neutral about it for the most part and even to this day I still am fairly neutral to the concept of sagging. But if you're going to be this thug or or to actually act out some of these stereotypes associated with it, it's not conducive. How are you going to run from the cops and go steal stuff while your pants are falling down? <laughs> right. We just had a guy on the news that the cops caught him because his pants got hung on the fence that he jumped. He would have cleared it, but his pants were hanging too low. I'm like, well, if you're going to be stupid enough to wear your pants like that, you can't be mad when the police catch you when you're in the way. I mean, but that's just that's more that's just more about being strategically sound. It has nothing to do necessarily with the culture of sagging pants. And also, I was just like you. I mean, starting out, if I'm the, if I'm not going anywhere special, I'm just hanging out in front of my own house or I'm walking around, I'm not working. Yeah, I would do that too. But as I got older, you know, once I started hitting like 27, 28, I was like, I, I can't walk around looking like this no more. Yeah, I, you know, I changed my style as well. I mean, it's, they'll grow out of it. There's a lot of styles that are just completely stupid. Like, up to now, if you show me a video from the 90s, like any video, like where people were wearing cross colors or cock and eye and those bright yellow and green and blue colors, I'll just put my head in my hands because I remember how stupid I looked back then. But guess what? I grew out of it. That's what most of these young men are going to do if you let them. If you let them, if anybody just let these cats have a chance Gave them a shot, just like you and I may have gotten that. Somebody gave us that opportunity, and we took advantage of it. More than likely, they would grow out of it. And then when you show somebody what they look like, you show them like six years from now. Remember we used to wear clothes like that? They'd be like, man, that was really stupid. But that's just what it was. It's just young kids being stupid or being kids. Not even They're not even dumb. They're just being teenagers or young men. But give them an opportunity, they'll grow out of it. They're not hurting anybody necessarily. Not really. So, I, I, you know, 
But again, we're on this verge of criminalizing that behavior. Even though the way fashion trends are going, you're seeing a lot less kids walking around wearing saggy pants. In fact, their pants are getting tighter. Oh, you know? please, don't, don't get me on skinny jeans. That's, skinny that, jeans. No, that's so disturbing. Like, you know, that's disturbing. And I don't think everyone should be wearing that. <laughs> Not everyone should wear skinny jeans, but they're wearing it. And again, it, it's just another trend. It's just another trend. Sooner or later, they're going to get sick of not being able to breathe, and they're going to wear loose-fitting jeans again. They used to wear those jeans like that back in 82. You know what I'm saying? Cash used to wear Lee jeans with the Kazal shades and the Latigra t-shirt. I mean, the Latigra shirts. Then the style changed. They got baggy and started wearing Timberlands. It's yeah. not a big deal, you know, and, and the, the thought of saying or, or criminalizing that you know, it, it's this weird thing. And you brought up Walmart, and you brought up the the, the the attire there. It's this criminalization or or blaming people or ridiculing them for being poor or being different or, or not being part of the predominant class. And the thing is, when we do that, we absolve ourselves of having to deal with the problem that creates them, you know, there's a reason people are walking around looking like they do in Walmart. And I'm talking from the staff down. That's all they got. <laughs> Most of the people that are in there are, hey, this is all I can afford. I'm either on, on, on a government assistance or I'm at a shitty minimum wage job. I can't do better. So this is what you get. So if you don't tackle the issue of poverty, guess what? You're going to see that person, you know, with the, the overweight individual with the pants that say um, sexy on the butt. It's just, you know, you're going to see more of that. Why? That's all they got. And they haven't been able to get anything else. But we still ridicule them. You know, they still can be laughed at because if you laugh at it, then you don't have to deal with it. If you criminalize it, you don't have to deal with it. If you demonize it, you don't have to deal with it. You know, that girl is twerking just because she's scratching the ass. That's all that is. Okay. Because now you don't have to deal with, the, with, with, with anything that would try to, try to understand a young girl growing up and her hormones going crazy and sitting down and talking to her, you know, about sex and just being okay with the fact that it's just a dance and she's not doing anything criminal. She's not actually having sex. She's just having a sexual dance. But, like I said, if you demonize it, you don't have to deal with it. Exactly. And no one no one wants to ask themselves this question when they see something like that. Does she actually know that it's sexual? Is, is she personally seeing it as just a dance and not attaching any sexual connotation to it? And mm-hmm. even if she is, uh, there would probably be a male there with her or some type of uh, surrogate object to... Yeah. Uh, act as a male, and even with that scenario, it still may just be dancing. So, yeah. and and like it, it goes again to another episode. I, I think Kim did on black women and this this ideology of, of ha- them having hypersexuality, and mm-hmm. I'm, I didn't see that attached to Miley Cyrus. I'm wondering why. I'm just, I'm just a little curious, but 
you know, even though she's a wild child, it's still some of the comments that I see on uh, short videos, even the ones that are clear parodies and say parodies, just the, mm-hmm. the, the myriad of just totally disgusting comments shows that, okay, what I'm seeing here from my observation is actually very true. All these uh, nuances in our society are pointing to some people being acceptable no matter what they do and some people yeah. being unacceptable no matter what they do, no matter what they wear, no matter how they talk, no matter how they're mm-hmm. hairless, no matter how much they try to integrate, you always need a low yeah. man to step on or you need somebody underneath to make yourself feel better. And and that's gonna? not it, it's uh it's not going toward a certain race or certain gender. It's everybody in some way, shape or form does it to different degrees. And right. for us to actually, you know, kind of solve that issue, we have to recognize it for what it is and not just pretend, well, this is my opinion and that's it. No. That that is your opinion as also your ignorance and blatant in ignorance and intellectual laziness at work. Right. And also, to and again, it, this we're speaking on the issue of twerking and the, and the suggestive dancing and things like that. I, I was on Facebook, and I saw a picture that they had on the top of the picture. They had a photo of, like, Angela Davis and, it, and several female members of, like, Black Panther and other civil rights activism groups um, pumping their fists, and they said, women of the 60s, and then they show at the bottom a bunch of girls twerking in the um, – uh, twerking in a in a train car, women today, and then it says that we're all doomed as a race. And I'm like, really? I mean, because apparently, you do you really believe that in the 1960s there weren't uh, black women who were sexually, you know, liberated and sexually, you know, they they didn't do things sexually? Is that what you're thinking? Every black woman just used to go to Black Panther meetings, and you know all used to wear nice clothes and never did anything suggestive. Uh, so that means you never saw a movie from Pam Greer or, you know, Cleopatra Jones or anything like that. I mean, this is the, this is weird idea that, and then it's out of context. It's also out of context. If it's a grown woman and she doesn't have any children, she has no husband or she has nothing like that and she just enjoys being sexual, what's the problem? What's the issue there? If you want to dance sexually, what's wrong? And if that's if that if, if and if they're young girls, then who hasn't been young and have their hormones driving them insane? I was a teenage boy before, and it used to take everything in my power just to get through the day and not think about it. You know, so again, this is weird question. If that's wrong, then what in contrast is right? You know. I mean, what's if if twerking is wrong? If this if those girls dancing the way they dance, if that's wrong, then what in comparison is right? Is it something? I mean, how should they dance if they want to do a sexy dance? Should they? Who should they? Who or what should they be dancing like? They should do the twist. That's acceptable, isn't it? You know, like uh, what uh, the waltz? Are we going to go back to doing polka? <laughs> I mean. If you look back every, what, 20 years, there's some unacceptable dance. Every, you go back long, and it, it's since the beginning of history. You could be standing literally uh, stiff as a board too close to another person, and it was unacceptable. Same thing with right. music. There's always something, you know, that's unacceptable. There's always something that somebody finds just, 
completely egregious and they have to have some sort of aversion to it in some way, shape, or form. And as we evolve as a society, it just changes over and over and over again. Ten years from now, Mm -hmm. no one's going to care about twerking at all because it's going to be something else someone's going to do and somebody's going to apply their their collective genius to it and find it just so, you know, objectionable. Yeah. And uh, you brought up Miley Cyrus, and it's like the criticism of her, again, it's not the criticism of her. It's the criticism that she's taking on the aspects of those girls, you know? Even though Miley Cyrus is a 22-year, or I think she's 23 now, or I, if she's at, if, if, if not older, she's about 22 years old. She's a grown woman. She could do whatever she wants, but... Because she's doing that now, it's not the it's not a criticism of her. It's a criticism that she took on the aspects of what they think is wrong, and in this case, what young black women do. You know, even though there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Like I said, you're young, you're active, you're not hurting anybody, and you're of legal age. What's all the fuss about? <laughs> I mean, I used to, when I was single, I happily gave people money to do that, <laughs> you know. I, I mean, I'm not going to even try and act like, you know, I'm this moral, morally superior individual. One of the reasons I don't come out and say bad things about twerking is because as soon as I turned 18 and could get into a strip club, I would give people money to watch them twerk. So how, would the, how, how can I now, at, at older, now turn around and be like, that's wrong? Wait, you mean there are businesses that make money off of that? Yes. <laughs> what? I can, I cannot believe that. Like, hush your mouth. Shut the front door. That every Friday night there are women that do that every night and get paid extremely well for it. You know, I mean, what? That and and the worst part is, you know, some people are being hypocrites. <laughs> How many times have you seen a a a a a do, uh, like a, a post about twerking or saying something bad about uh, about the dance of twerking by somebody that you used to go there. Dude, you used to buy drinks when we went to the club. <laughs> you know, it's like how many times have you seen that personally? I know I've seen it a million times. Like, wait a minute, we used to go to Coco's all the time together. How can you be against twerking? <laughs> or somebody who says, hey, if my daughters are doing this, I'd beat the shit out of them, and not even 10 seconds later they're liking uh, some page on Facebook, uh, BBW, uh, Booty Women, you know, something like that. Not, not even 10 exactly. seconds I'm like, you the reason I that, that, I mean, some of the people, and it's the, the hilarity to me again is some of the people who are so against this, some of the people who embrace this respectability politics are folks who make me afraid to open up my Facebook timeline when I'm sitting down next to my son because I don't know what's going to pop up. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I, one minute you're putting up something talking about dudes and how they look stupid in their baggy pants and everything like that, and then you got a video from 2 Chains on your on your Facebook timeline. Or you're saying that girl, little girl's twerking. If it was my daughter, I'd have beat her the same way like that guy in the video beat his daughter. And then the next thing you got some, you know, Pinky or Ice T's wife, you know, doing the exact same thing. So what are you really about? What are you upset about <laughs> exactly? 
You know, it's like that's that's the height of hypocrisy. That that in, in again at the heart of it, if you dig deep enough into the whole respectability politics thing, when people use that term, there's a lot of hypocrisy to it as well. You know, this thing that young black men are doing, or young African American women are doing, or young uh, Latino kids are doing, this is bad. But I totally look the opposite way when it's young white kids doing it. Like I said, your son is wrong for walking around in a hoodie and some baggy pants. Your daughter is wrong for dancing this certain way, but no one says anything or no one has an opinion about the Larry the Cable guys of this world or the Honey Boo Boo's of this world. Yeah, they're kind of, they would be thought of as low class, but no one criminalizes that behavior the way they do with when it comes from young African-American men and women. At the heart of it, it's a level of hypocrisy in play. Exactly. And I, I, I'm really at a, a loss of words that as to how people don't catch on to it. After a while, you have to kind of think, well, why am I being pulled in this direction about this? I've never really heard of, you know, X but everyone seems to be against X. So let me look at X. And, oh, man, I see what they mean. So now I have a thing about X that's not even the least bit objective, but I want to apply that to whatever I just saw and to the same opinion, no matter, you know, who it really is, but I'm going to always identify it with whatever I saw that already aligns with my confirmation bias about individuals doing it, you know, no matter uh, of what kind of background they may have or their reasons behind it. So yeah, it's, and, it's intellectual laziness. Right. And unfortunately, like I said, intellectual laziness, when it's not put into any kind of any kind of legislation, doesn't necessarily bother me. If you want to be ignorant on your own time, I can't say that I'm going to run around trying to convince you otherwise. I don't really care. The problem with, and, you know, we spoke about this earlier, the problem with respectability politics is there are things that are put into law that that have an adverse effect just because of, again, confirmation bias and respectability politics. People put things in law, like they, they, they train cops to look for criminals based on things that have, are set up through respectability politics. People make laws based on a lot of these laws against women uh, for reproductive rights or their reproductive rights and birth control and all that stuff. It's all attached to that old lie that Ronald Reagan told like 30 years ago about welfare queens. You know, they're, they're living in the projects with a Cadillac and cable TV and they got 13 kids and different daddies and, and they're all on government assistance. All of those laws, every law that you see about abortion, every law that you see about birth control and shutting down Planned Parenthood and all that stuff, is based on one one law or one lie attached to respectability politics that Ronald Reagan told about a mythical black woman 30-plus years ago. And every law subsequently is based on that. So, yeah, it does have an actual effect. It wouldn't be so bad if it was just people acting stupid. We don't have to even recognize that. You don't even have to acknowledge somebody's ignorance in regards to that. 
The problem is when they take that that ignorance into the voting booth or to their elected official and then try to legislate against it. That's the problem here. You know, and again, Trayvon Martin is dead because somebody deputized himself based on laws and based on police procedure that targets folks based in respectability politics. If it looks this way, if it walks this way, if it talks this way, if it acts that way, then, yeah, it's a criminal act. So he's dead because of something that 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 even our law enforcement has embraced about respectability politics. And it's a very dangerous thing. Yeah, and it's, it's sad how that vicious cycle works. And, and like you say, it, it's really indicative of how this society is as far as where where actually where it wants to go, and like like you hear a lot of conservatives say, well, you know, I like the the golden era, but now almost forty maybe forty sixty years ago that they want to get back to. Well, of course, you know, people stayed in their place. No one was uppity, and these respectability, uh, you know, clauses and concepts were at the at their height, and that they could mm-hmm. be touted at any given time, and that if you kind of violated that. Oh, you were definitely going to be put in your place, especially if you were homosexual. Uh, and one of their big ones is you don't even uh, appear to be any type of homosexual in public. They even have public service announcements. You can still find them on YouTube as to uh, a, a respectability concept that you need to be aware of. You know, having an older adult male be a little bit too friendly to you and offer you ride home all the time and invite you to his house. Mind you, this, this PSA was with a, using an older man and a, a, a younger, and I want to say teen boy, so it was channeling both pedophile and homosexual, you know, on the same token. So it, it's really, it is really, really indicative of how the public perception is and what is acceptable and what is not, regardless of reality. Right, and Again, to to have a person like, you know, because, again, his his comments is kind of what inspired this discussion we're having this evening, to, to have somebody like a Don Lemon who knows what it's like to have the concept of respectability politics forced upon him just for who he is, now buy into it and use it to try and downgrade another or degrade another section of society. You know what it's like to have people tell you, well, don't act, walk, talk, or dress this way, and then for you to turn around and then try to do that to someone else. And this is the mystifying thing. This is the most bothersome thing about it is it's kind of like we hate ourselves at this point because a lot of these laws that we see about, you know, um, down here, it was, uh, I think it was, and surprisingly, I think it was Frederica Wilson, uh, the state representative, she was, she went and put legislation in or she went in there to try and get young black cheerleaders from black, predominantly black high schools to not dance suggestively. You know, don't dance that way. It's too, it's too sexy. I don't want you dancing like that. But it wasn't for all high schools. It was just high schools in black communities. You know, again, there we have now taken on that mantle 
that the, the, the dominant class doesn't even have to do it anymore. They don't even have to step in. Like, honestly, Bill O'Reilly doesn't even ever have to talk again. All he ever has to do from now on, if this con- if this discussion ever comes up again, all Bill O'Reilly has to Bill Bill O'Reilly has to do is reference Don Lemon and then say, "Look, even your own doesn't think you should be like that." You know, because we're doing it to ourselves now. There's far too many instances where you can think up of a, a black leader or a black uh, a, a person of influence in our own community using this against us. I'm like, at this point, when it comes to Bill Cosby, <laughs> I'm starting to feel like how, you know, do you remember in uh, Eddie Murphy Raw when Eddie uh, said what Richard Pryor said um, Bill Martin, Bill uh, Bill Cosby should do when he was talking oh, yeah. about when, tell, tell Bill to have a pudding pop and shut the fuck up. That's pretty much where we are right now because that's what he's doing. He's just making these blanket statements about how we should act, and it has no ground or basis in fact or reality. But now it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. The the, the predominant white Anglo-Saxon Protestant culture, they don't even have to get into the discussion anymore. They just sit back and wait for, you know, one of these people, one of these individuals of influence to start just making these weird rambling statements you know, that have no basis in fact or and can't be justified. Yeah, and I've always not I I've I've really never been a fan of uh some of the statements Bill Cosby makes because they seem to be arguments from ignorance because he is now immune to a lot of the scenarios he's, he criticizes, it's easier for him to look down his nose at other people and just assume that you make these arbitrary changes then everyone's going to see you in a different light. You know, you you immediately become immune to all the social injustices that are that affect many, many people, and they're only affected because they bring it about themselves. People have mm-hmm. a, a a intrinsic duty to themselves and to society to be a better person for themselves and for the people around them, yes. But mm-hmm. saying that it's like a woman dresses a certain way that she deserves great, it's, it's in the same context, no matter if she's walking down the street naked, or whether she has on uh, a hijab in the full, you know, road, they still get raped no matter what happens. So, again, this has nothing to do with the actual problem. It's all about mm-hmm. the people who perpetuate this idea that you make these arbitrary changes and then shit's going to happen. No, it's not. If you're really right. a thinking, caring, critically thinking individual, you'd never say some stupid stuff like that because the, right. the minute you think of it, you stop Right. And there's this, and you bring up an excellent point. You brought up the hijab and, uh, uh, and because there, it has any kind of attire ever stopped a rapist from being a rapist? You know, I mean, you bring up an excellent point. There are girls who walk around that, that, that wear revealing clothes or almost next to nothing. And then there are women who dress very conservatively and they're equally made victims of sexual assault and rape. And then, and, and a touchy subject that even our own our own government doesn't want to touch is the rampant amount of young women who have come forward to say, "I am in full military uniform, and I have been violated sexually." 
to the point where no one can speak on it because, like, you can't use the excuse of, well, what were you wearing? <laughs> you can't. But we, we still use that, though, which is crazy. I mean, in the, in, you know, in the, in the Muslim world, you have women who walk around in full hijabs. You can't see anything but their eyes. But then you find out they're sexually assaulted on, in, in staggering, staggering amounts and rate, in rates. But it's, again, what, what if, if this kind of dress can, can inspire rape or inspire a rapist to take a violent in such a violent and, and, and violating act, then what then would be the alternative? And no one can, no one can, it's ridiculous to even have that conversation. No, because making that parallel would be too much of an effort. And you should bring up the most extreme case uh, concerning respectability laws and mm-hmm. It doesn't prevent anything. It's not going to act as a hindrance. It's going to say, oh, 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 wait, wait, it's fully clothed. I, I can't do this anymore. I, I can't get it up. I'm sorry. I need her to be almost naked for me to actually go through this. <laughs> when has that happened? Whenever exactly. has that happened? And it's ridiculous. And then, you know, now I'm hoping I'm giving somebody a good idea to actually, you know, talk about so that when you face somebody who is as ignorant as that, who believes that because somebody wears their pants a certain way or because someone has a certain suit or shirt, that they are automatically uh, just trash as far as, you know, their place in society. Use, uh, not common sense, use critical thinking to combat that nonsense because it's easy to sit there and post a meme. It's easy to comment on a picture. It's easy to take someone else's idea and just say, yep, I think I agree with that, and not ever think about it again because it doesn't affect you. It's actually hard to sit and think about the consequence of what you're saying and what you're implying. It's actually difficult to contemplate, hmm, what am I helping to you? Am I creating more strife for someone else? Or, you know, am I actually going to not jump bandwagon and thinking person? and try to stop it in its tracks before it actually gains an attraction. Exactly, exactly. And and we're, you know, never has the saying before been necessary to say you can't judge a book by looking at the cover. You don't know these people. You don't know any of these young people. You don't know them. And, and, and when you paint them this way, you're absolving yourself of, of the the duty to try and get to know them. You know, you, you, you're just looking at them and making this blanket assumption that they are worthless somehow and they are beneath your need to care or beneath your notice. And it, it, it's just ridiculous. I mean, we don't, no one likes that. No one likes to be judged based on, I mean, I, I'm a dark-skinned black man. I'm bald and I'm, if I don't, if I'm not walking around smiling, I can look fairly intimidating. But I don't want everybody to walk around thinking I'm some kind of scary black guy. That's not who I am. I would hate for it. I don't like the thought that people would walk around thinking that about me. So why would I do that to somebody else? It's the same thing. I mean, if you don't like being judged just on your outward appearance, why would you subject somebody else to that? 
like I like who in their right mind judges somebody by a dance they saw them doing at a club? You know, but we're doing that. I mean, the young men that we see walking around, like I said, nine times out of ten, they've never left their neighborhood. They've never gone more than ten miles away from where they live. You know, they're they're not going anywhere. So what exactly are they dressing up for? And then what are we dressing them up to go do? We've removed from these neighborhoods. I mean, it's a part of a larger problem. You said this before. It's a larger issue at hand here. We've taken away almost every reason for these kids to say to themselves, hey, maybe I should get up get and clean up and, and try to do something. Everything. The city of Chicago, they're closing down schools left and right. And with those schools, any programs that would inspire a young man uh, that would be walking around with that kind of fashion on to be anything different. So if we're doing that, how, if, if that's what's being done, how can you then tell these guys, dress up, don't you want to be somebody? Well, what? What? You've taken away every reason that they should try. I mean, that that's how I'm seeing it. Exactly. And we're not just going to you know, sit here and say, well, if people just dress however they want, then things are going to automatically get better. It's, it's not. It starts with the individual. It starts with being a, a thinking, uh, loving individual, actually having some type of empathy and understanding for your fellow man and mm-hmm. woman, uh, no matter of what, um, I guess, background they come from. It, it's, it's really, it really starts there. It, it starts there and then it continues by using the original concept of a meme in, like I said, I'll bring it up again, in dexterity. When you start seeing I, here, there, it, you understand what that implies, your personal experience. And in your personal experience, how much information could you intake about the entire world? It only a fraction, at any given time, you can only take in a fraction. So what does that say? That I have to look beyond myself. I have to actually accept that I don't know everything. And if that's the case, who can I uh, rely on that's going to be completely open with me that we can exchange and get a bigger piece of this puzzle so that instead of one one-hundredth, I now have two one-hundredths of this entire puzzle. Many people don't think like that, and many people refuse to because they have accepted because they are above the age of 18 or above the age of 21 or they use this, this ages argument that I am of this age so I am now a learned person. I've gone to school mm-hmm. for the mandatory 12 years and I may have completed another four so all my learning is done. Anything that I intake passively is just adding on to that, that 100% I've already achieved. And that is the wrong right. mindset to have. The completely wrong mindset to have. So, and also, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh no, that's, that's all I'm saying is that, that that's the entirely wrong uh, mindset to have, especially if you actually want to be a, you want to not be like those people that, you know, you're saying they're so repulsive. Right. Uh, I mean, and also, too, if you, it's it's also that if 
not just having the wrong mindset about it, but again, why are you even upset about it? Do you intend to do something about it? I mean, it's one of those things where you should be that agent of change, and anyone with a functioning brain knows that that doesn't that that takes time. It got it took time for us to get into the situation. It's going to take time for us to get out of it. And more and more penalization is not the way. It's not to 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 insult or degrade or 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 to 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 criminalize something. It, it's not going to change the situation. It's it's probably going to enforce it even more. You start telling these guys they look like crap. The world already is telling them that. You tell these girls that they're sluts or they're whores. Who's not saying that already? You know what I'm saying? You're just reinforcing whatever crap they've been hearing ever since they were children, that they're worthless. They're not as good as somebody else's child. You know? Why do you figure it's going to change? So there's that. And, you know, Mr. Kaiser, and I and I don't like insulting, you know, I, or I don't like criticizing, you know, folks like Bill Cosby because he is a philanthropist. He's given a lot of, a lot of, of money, and he has been something of an activist for most of his adult life and in his professional career. So if there was a chance to talk to him about it, I wouldn't, like, yo, you stupid, shut up, old man. I don't want, I definitely don't want to come across as that. I would tell him, look, you've given money to colleges and things like that before, Mr. Cosby, but now there are things in play that are depriving young people of those opportunities. There are things in play where that that are that are that are damaging to their self esteem and frankly you're not helping when you when you further insult them you know i mean in this case when it comes to these situations, the folks that that are taking these stances are the best are are the are the ones that should be at the front line saying hey i'm here to help you know i'm here to to help try and change things. Because at the end of the day, these, those young kids just need direction. You know, they don't need you to tell, walk around telling them to pull up their pants. That's ridiculous. They don't need you to walk around and tell them to stop dancing. Most people only dance in their leisure time. You know, it, it, it's out of context. It's just So, you know, it's just very strange that, that people who have the ability to be real agents of change just rather sit around and criticize. It, to me, it's it's sad. Yeah, and instead of uh, asking, okay, well, about pulling up pants, have, have, you, have you asked these kids, uh, hey, you know, you know what code switching is? You know how to write a resume? Do you know that, you know, what you're wearing now is is acceptable with, you know, being on the block or in the hood or whatever you want to call it? But when you're actually going to a professional environment, that they have a certain dressing uniform. Period. Mm-hmm. That that actually takes time to address. That actually takes uh, some a bit of empathy instead of just pointing the finger and saying you're fucked up. Anybody can do that. Anybody yeah. on the street, no matter what you know their background, can say that. But a person that actually wants something to change says, "Hey, there are these concepts to here that you might not be privy to." Plain and simple. Mm-hmm. It, no one person is taught everything. No one comes from the same as that background as somebody else. So to understand that and actually apply that would take time, and no one has time to actually, like I said, fix the problem. 
they can put a Band-Aid on it and pretend they did a good job. They can they can pray about it, which does a whole lot of good, and hope it gets better, <laughs> and do a bunch of nothing. So until people like that actually put forth some effort and go over stuff like that, I'm, I'm going to call them for what if they feel that, okay, well, I'm point the finger at that. I'm going to point the finger at you and call you intellectually lazy because it is. Right. Yeah, of course. Definitely. Um, it's just there's no there's no other way to really define it. At the at the end of the day, respectability politics is just laziness. It's intellectually lazy to assume that a cosmetic thing that will be able to 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 resolve a situation that goes deeper than the surface. You know, these cosmetic things like just the thought that me not saying the n word, that like me not walking around and saying nigger is going to stop somebody that will treat me like one, that is on its face patently stupid. I'm, I'm sorry. That's not that's not even intellectually lazy anymore. That's flat-out stupidity. Because at the end of the day, that's not our word. Like some people like to say that. Like the folks, some folks who would say the word nigga a lot would say, well, that's our word. No, it's not our word. It was their word first, and then, you know, we may took some of us took up the mantle and just kept running with it. But no, I mean, me not thinking I'm a nigga, saying I'm not a nigga. I do that now. I say I, I've had a chance. I had my phase where every other word out of my mouth was nigga. But I grew up a little bit, and and I started to understand a little bit more. And I said, well, wait a minute, that's self-destructive. That's 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 self-damaging, or at least in my opinion that it is. And so I stopped using it. But guess what? The guy who may have prevented me uh, from getting a job because he doesn't like black people, he has no idea that I even used the word or chose to stop using the word. He thinks of me that way. The person that will that, that will be an obstruction to me getting an education, thinking of me that way, what does my not saying it have to do with that individual? You know, don't they have to stop thinking of us that way? Of course, you know, it's like, redirection. If they can just redirect it, and then there's no problem. They don't have to change anything. Of exactly. Course. But yeah, the reason actually talk to folks like this, and I've tried this several times, and I've and I've I've actually always been right. When people mm-hmm. say stuff like that, you ask them if they know the difference between a pejorative and a colloquialism, and they'll look at you like you have a dick on your forehead. I guarantee it. Mm-hmm. They no one actually knows, and and I'm, you know, a lot of people get mad at me because I use those two terms, but they describe exactly what I want to say. A pejorative is a word used as a slur against someone else, whether it be racial, whether it be ethnic, whether it be whatever, you know, whether it be gender. It's it's negative. Now, a colloquialism right. is, is a term or phrase used in a a group, of, you know, so a culture or society that has meaning, some type of intrinsic meaning, specific that group of people. So in this case, the the suffixes to both of those are different. The connotation to both are different, and they mean opposite of one another. So, but because mm-hmm. the person that 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 finds this uh, you know repulses repulsive doesn't understand that, then it's, it's not valid because they don't understand how it works. They don't understand etymology. They don't understand a lot of things, and through that collective ignorance, they find it to be just repugnant in every way, shape, or form. It's, it's just, you can't have it. 
You know, that's right. still claim a, a double standard of sorts when not knowing the entire situation. Right. I, and again, you know, and, and I and I understand. And like for me, like I said, for me, I'm not going to do it. But at the same time, I understand. I guess you know the, the the logic that well, you know, it's taking on a little bit of a, it's taking on a little bit more than just a pejorative description of it. But I said for myself, you know, to me, it's a little bit of discipline. Where it's like, listen, uh, until until everyone can see it that way. For me, it's best that I don't. But I'm not going to condemn or criminalize somebody that you know that still uses that or or still talks that way, you know. Because even in that even in that scenario, it's not as bad as the guy or the person in power that can keep uh, or or that can restrict a person from attaining the things that they deserve: basic human rights, you know, basic access to health care, basic access to education. You know, Jay-Z calling himself a nigga in Paris does me no damage. I don't like it, but it doesn't do me anything. Somebody that can, you know, keep my son from getting a halfway decent education or that can keep my daughters from, you know, proper health care that think of me as a nigga, yeah, that's a little bit more of a problem, you know. And so there is a difference. I don't like either. I don't like either connotation. But one is worse than the other. I'm not even gonna play it off like they're the same thing. You know? That's that's just me. I, I, I mean I choose not to use it, but I'm not gonna act like, you know, uh 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 the Jay Z's use of the term is the same as say for instance uh a uh, uh, Rand Paul who doesn't who thinks that it's okay for somebody to ban black people from using their restaurant you know, because it's their right as business owners to restrict whoever they want from coming into a store. You know? Mm-hmm. Not the same thing. Not at all. Yeah, it, it's it's just sad, but I mean we'll probably have some more time to talk about different uh different aspects of this at a later time. But uh we've gone down to our last five minutes, so we'll probably go ahead and wrap this up, uh Probably have no callers that are going to weigh in on this, but maybe somebody will bring it up in their show, or maybe somebody will contact one of us, uh, you know, wanting to know more about it, or hey, maybe maybe want to criticize our view on it. Yeah, I I hope that you know it doesn't end here because it's going to raise its head again. Um, it's it's not. It's, hopefully, there'll be a day where it's just something we laugh about, look back and giggle about, but. Uh, I fear it's going to uh, uh, come up again, and I just ask folks to keep a far more open mind than, you know, than recent history has shown. You know, we're not just what you see on the surface. And that's the that's the be-all and end-all right there. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's really sad as to how fast conversations like this die because they bring up uh, uncomfortable issues that people don't want to talk about, especially when it, it, it frankly does deal with race at the end of the day for some of these issues, but then it's not exclusive. Like I said, we brought up how it deals with women and how much they wear, and we brought up the fact that women in theocracies like Saudi Arabia will get raised in there or guard, and it doesn't prevent anything. It's more redirection, more smoke screen, more BS. 
so that no one has to actually identify the problem and think they have to think physically to solve it since they are immune to it. Right. You know, um, there's there's really no no other way, no better way to say it than that. There's really no, you know, it's a lot bigger than just these little surface solutions that, you know, folks think will change things. It's deeper than that. It's going to take more time. It's going to take time. And if you're not willing to put that time in, guess what? You'll never solve the issue. You'll never you'll never get around it. Is Kim so well? Hello? Uh oh. <laughs> oh, in the last three minutes. Uh, if anybody wants to call in, feel free. We got a few more minutes to turn on this topic, and um, I think for uh, maybe next week's topic, we could do a viewer's choice. I'm going to see if I can actually uh, who might be up to um, actually in, in, engage in you know, maybe some, some discourse or or maybe just provide a topic. Definitely. Look forward to hearing from somebody to see, you know, you know, more that we so we can talk more about it. I really am not going to hold my breath on that one. That's going to be willing to engage. Fortunately, I, I've successfully ostracized myself by my outspokenness of certain things, just like respectability, uh, policies, uh, religion, politics, all kinds of stuff. So. Uh, like I said, I'm not going to really hold my breath and uh, hope for too much of that. Even though I, I think some of my topics are important. You know, I don't think rolling over something uh, wherever mommy and daddy said as, as a good way to learn uh, anything as well as a person. I've always, I've always despised that. Well, I'm a little more optimistic. I think that I think that this is actually helping. I think that there'll be a little bit more dialogue that's going to be generated from it. So, um, yeah, like I, I, I always try to look at the bright side of things. That 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 we'll have more time, another opportunity to really, to really get a little more deeper into the issue. And you know, I, fingers crossed and all that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, hopefully somebody learned something. I. I was always wondering what those suits were called, uh, the zoot suits. I always thought they were really interesting. They looked really cumbersome uh, in the movies. <laughs> I learned about it from Tom and Jerry, and that's when I wanted to find out because I wanted one. I, was, I don't know if you remember Tom and Jerry, they had a zoot suit, and I said, well, yeah, I need to get one because <laughs> it looked so cool at the time. And I was like, okay. So that's how I found out about all those little things. I was a little kid, and I just – asked and somebody was good enough to tell me and you never know man there's going to be somebody that wants to drop that little gem of knowledge you never know you get an opportunity like that it'll come up again i'm just optimistic that way yeah i may be a little bit more more cynical but uh it's it's, you're you're right i I do see where you're coming from with that it's a cool movie actually 1982 uh edward james almost the name was uh the name of the film is Zoot Suit. It was based on a Broadway play. You can actually check it out, man. It's pretty good. Okay. Tim, are you back on the line? Yep. Hmm. I think we might have lost her. 
<laughs> so you want to close us out? Yeah, we'll go ahead. I wish I had the music to play, or at least I knew how to do it. <laughs> I, I really do enjoy the theme song. I guess we could close out by bidding everybody a good adieu. <laughs> Well, I, I guess that, that'll have to do. Um, just remember, uh, pull up your pants and you'll have a better life instantly. <laughs>